Now, I'm not a pyromaniac by any means, but I do happen to really like fire. It's beautiful and mysterious, isn't it? I love watching things burn and melt in the white-hot center of a bonfire. On a cold winter night, there's nothing quite so comforting and captivating as a roaring fire. Simply put, fire is cool. Like, really cool. If you like fire, like I do, then you probably noticed that in our second reading this weekend, St. Peter told us that in the end, at the coming of the day of God, when all things are summed up and the world comes to a rumbling close, quote, everything will be dissolved in flames and the elements will be melted by fire, end quote. You might say that this is my fire and brimstone homily, but don't be afraid. Be not afraid, please. So now given this future fiery fact, St. Peter exhorts us point blank that while we still have time left on this planet, while we still have air in our lungs and the sun is still shining through these beautiful stained glass windows, and while we have any amount of strength left, then we should, as he says, be eager to be found without spot or blemish before God, at peace before God, at peace with God. Now, what does St. Peter mean by that? Well, to put it bluntly, he's telling us that in the end, everything that is not of God will be burned to a crisp. Anything not in perfect union with the Lord will be absolutely and totally incinerated. Everything and everyone must be purged and prepared for the coming of what Peter calls a new heavens and a new earth. Nothing of the old, no spot or blemish, not a single speck can be brought along for the ride into this new creation that God is preparing to bring about through his loving goodness, through his mercy, through his kindness towards us. We must let go of everything in order to receive the brand new everything that God is about to work. It's like what St. Louis, not St. Louis, he's not a saint right quick, but C.S. Lewis, it's like what C.S. Lewis once said in his book, The Great Divorce. He says this, If we insist on keeping hell, or even earth, we shall not see heaven. If we accept heaven, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenirs of hell. Nothing of hell can even fit in heaven, so says C.S. Lewis. Heaven is just too big. It's just too real. What we are awaiting is too amazing to admit any kind of spot or blemish. It must be perfect if it's going to come into the presence of the living God. 
So in other words, everything separated from God will be torched. It will melt away. So we shouldn't bother clinging to any of that low and earthly stuff. Let it be burned now. Let yourself be purified now. Let there be a great divorce, if you will, between you and every single attachment that holds you back from the living God, from living out your vocation faithfully, from being the father, the mother, the brother, the sister, the human being that God has created you to be. One way or another, all of those spots and blemishes have got to go. As Jesus himself put it, if your right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off. There's no toleration whatsoever of anything that is apart from God when it comes to heaven. And yet, our first, our second reading, rather, from St. Peter, that second letter of St. Peter, makes it abundantly clear that while there is no toleration of hell in heaven, that there is patience, that God shows us great patience. In fact, the melting, the burning, is kind of a slow burn. St. John of the Cross, one of the great mystics of our tradition, offers us a beautiful image for what this process of becoming more and more perfectly united with God looks like. He compares it to a fresh log being placed on a fire. Now in this analogy, in this metaphor, we are the logs and God is the fire, which is fitting because Holy Scripture says that our God is a consuming fire. His love is white hot. Now, St. John of the Cross starts off by saying that at first, the fire acts on the wood by drying it out. All of the moisture is expelled from the log, and it starts to smolder and smoke. Then the fire begins to scorch and singe the outside of the log. The bark begins to burn and get blackened by all of the flames that are now surrounding it. John of the Cross says that this process of singeing and scorching is a lot like what we experience when God draws near to us, when we begin to take our relationship with the Lord more seriously. And that's how it feels, doesn't it? It feels like God is drying us out. It feels like he's even burning us. And in fact, that is exactly what he is doing. He is burning off all of that exterior, superficial, worldly things in our lives. We find that, that we have to let go of a lot of the things that used to be kind of enjoyable to us. Now they're not so enjoyable because we know they don't quite fit into God's plan for us. We find that we're called and invited to sacrifice certain things that once we freely indulged in without any kind of questions asked. And as we recognize that, as those flames kind of scorch us, it hurts. It's not exactly fun. It's not comfortable. Now, the idea that St. John of the Cross is going for here is that, that God is actually a loving and disciplining Father who is helping us to become untangled and detached from everything that isn't 
him that isn't God. Because ultimately, God wants to fill us with himself. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to become fire. That's where John leads in his image of a log burning on the fire as well. Because after that process of scorching and burning the exterior, it's then that the fire ignites the deepest center of the log. And it's only then that the entire log begins to glow with the light and the heat of the fire itself. In a certain sense, the log becomes fire. Because now it shares the properties of fire. It's able to give off light and give off heat. And this is St. John of the Cross's beautiful image of the soul that is ablaze with the love of God. It's an image of the human person, radiant and alive with God's own life. It's what St. Irenaeus says when he says that the glory of God is man, fully alive, a human being, fully alive alive. And where else do we see a human being fully alive, fully on fire, fully lit? Where do we see that more clearly than in the incarnation of the only begotten Son of God? In Jesus, we find man fully alive in a definitive and absolute way. He is a fiery and blazing log He is fully lit with the glory of God. In fact, he is the glory of God. He is the image of the invisible God come in the flesh dwelling among us. That's what the story of Christmas proclaims. It's what the prophet Isaiah proclaimed for us in our first reading. Here is your God. Here comes with power the Lord God. And from the midst of that bonfire of his love, Jesus turns towards each one of us and he says to us, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. So follow me. Come and live in me. Live in my fire. The incarnation is a fire. It's not a nice, comfortable, contained fire. A crackling little flame kept safely within the bounds of a private fireplace where we can turn whenever we just kind of happen to want to warm our hands or when we want to eat some s'mores. No. Jesus comes to set the whole world ablaze. He comes to set us on fire. He comes to turn us into fire. That's what the baptism he is offering is. It's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And with fire, Pope Benedict XVI once wrote that the fire which both burns and saves is Christ himself, the judge and the savior. Before his gaze, he says, all falsehood melts away. It all dissolves, like what St. Peter was talking about. This encounter with him, the Pope goes on, as it burns us, as it burns us, transforms and frees us, allowing us to become truly ourselves. That is to say that Jesus, the Son of God, came into our world, came in the flesh, was born on Christmas, lived his life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, so that we might be united perfectly with God. 
so that we can be with him forever. That's what the voice crying out in the desert is making such a racket about. Prepare the way of the Lord, it says. Fill in every valley. Level every single mountain. Make every rugged land smooth and rough country a broad valley. Prepare the way for your God. Prepare your heart. Make room for him. He's coming to catch each one of us on fire. That's not something that we can do to ourselves, though. We can't catch ourselves on fire. Christianity, in the end, is not a self-help model. It's not a method for just self-improvement so that we can be more awesome. Rather, the Christian life is all about surrendering to the Lord's action in our lives. It's about falling in love with him and with his church. It's about allowing ourselves to be placed like logs directly on the fires of his grace, however much it might burn, so that we can catch fire, so that we can become fire, so that we can then give light and heat to the world. And that is the source of our comfort. That's what the prophet Isaiah was talking about at the beginning of that first reading. Comfort. Give comfort to my people, says your God. The only way to receive deep and abiding comfort is to be on fire with the love of God. The comforts of this world will not last. They will be burned up. They'll be burned to a crisp. They will melt away. We can't keep them. So the only real comfort that we have is God himself. So be a log on the fire. Submit to that long, slow, and patient burn of our God's love for us and allow yourselves to be caught fire deep down within. Become fire. 